Somebody glad today that the power of the cross is taking care of everything? Now, if that was for a winning team in Philadelphia, that would have been all right. But let me explain something to you. Every now and then I think about what it would be like to go to hell. And every now and then I, I wonder what it would be like to be in utter thick darkness, transparent flames burning the body that God put on me to put in the lake of fire and my soul to be burning and feeling loneliness like it's never felt before. Um, no grace, no mercy, no peace, no comfort, and voices in the dark screaming in terror of being under the wrath of God forever. And so when I think about the power of the cross, I think about the fact that I could have been fully separated from God with his wrath unleashed on me forever. But I'm thankful that Christ took all of the darkness, took all of the pain, took all of the shame, took all of the hurt, and took all of that and was placed on him for six hours to feel an eternity of crushing weight of hell's wrath from the living God on him to die on the cross and be raised from the grave again. So when I think of his goodness and all that he done for me in that moment, my heart and my mind can't help but get excited and be thankful in the power of the cross that I don't have to pay for my sins. I wish I had about 50 people that would just stand to their feet for a minute and just thank the good God of heaven for the fact that you don't have to pay for your sins forever. <laughs> now, now that 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 might not that may not sound like much, but go to hell and find out. But I'm so glad that I don't have to go to hell and find out I get to look at hell but not be in hell. Why live on earth, go through hell and deal with hell, then die and go to hell? When you can put your trust in Jesus Christ and, and, and pass over hell out of God's judgment into the kingdom of his marvelous son. Somebody should say amen. Amen, 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 amen. It's wonderful to celebrate and never forget. Don't ever forget it. Don't ever let your heart and mind forget what he's done. Yes. Remember the old song talking about never shall I forget what he's done for me. Yeah. Never shall I forget how he set me free. Y'all don't know nothing about that. Yeah, that, I, 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 I like that because I never want to forget. No matter what I'm going through, I never want to forget. No matter how much pain I feel, I never want to forget. And, and eternity with God is a splendid and beautiful place to be. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's um, second Sunday morning gathering. I know I was out last week. I was out. Um, I've been telling my, my friend, it's Pastor Taryn Dames, um, he just taken over a 25-year-old church plant. And the pastor um, is handing it over to him. I've been friends with this guy for about 15 years, and I've been telling him no because I love being at the Epiphany Fellowship. Some of the good friends asking me, oh, so can you come on a Sunday? I said, I'd like to be at the church that God called me to be at on Sunday. Um, there's no other church that I'd rather be in and proclaim God's word in. But I finally had to break down since I, I guess I had to go since he was getting appointed as a pastor. And so go hang out with him and see God's work last Sunday and then on uh, on Monday, I went to St. Louis to a historic church that's, that saw pre- and post-segregation. In its church walls, it was an all-white church at one time, and the community has changed and in downtown, and they've gone through all different types of things over time, but we had a, they had a symposium there, and, I, and I, um, that's probably the last one for a while I'm going to do 
um, but went, wanted to go and support that opportunity on that Monday. Went really well, had people from different ethnicities and backgrounds there, and it was just good to see God's momentum in waking up the body of Christ. They wanted me to come because of the solemn assembly that we had put on here, and they wanted to hear a message on what is that all about and why we got to seek God in relation to race matters. And basically, I just told them, don't forget about the devil. Number two, I told them, don't forget about the Holy Ghost. Um, and the reason why I told them, don't forget about the devil, because I told them, we don't wrestle against race. We don't wrestle against black. We don't wrestle against, wrestle against white. We don't wrestle against mixed ethnicities. We wrestle against flesh, and we don't wrestle against flesh, but principalities and powers in our places. And if we don't treat the race issue like a spiritual issue, yes. the race issue will never get addressed. And so, and, so, and so we spent some time talking about that, and it was a great and honorable time. I'm excited for Doxa's release this week. Let's give God a hand praise for that. Yeah. Very excited about that, and um, crazy that Warm Daddy sold out. And so um, sorry for those who did not act expeditiously as you were instructed and found out that procrastination can end in devastation. And so, um, and so, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm excited. It's going to be a nice packed house over there by the river. And I'm hoping the United Artists Theater heal us, blessing the name of God, that we interrupt some movies. There's a lot of horror movies out lately, you know, devil too. They be having, uh, anyway, woman in black. I hope that movie hears us praising and some demons run uh, just because of that. Um, but anyway, I'm rambling. Thank you. And God bless you. Stand to your feet and let's get in the word of God. Let's get in the Word of God. Um, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're going to finish this chapter up today because I think to break this up into multiple thoughts um, would linger things out a little longer than I'd like to. And we're coming to the end of our series on 1 Corinthians. How many of you, God, has been speaking to you through 1 Corinthians? Amen, mm, amen, amen, amen. Well, um, 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 as we get ready to get in this text, I want us to, uh, uh, to think through being equipped and, and, and working through what God wants us to work through as it relates to becoming a body. One of the things that I feel like God is doing with us right now is helping us to develop a self-awareness as God's people. And I think one of the things churches don't have is a self-awareness. When I mean self-awareness is us understanding where we actually are and what's actually needed for the church and where it is in order to promote what God wants to do in moving us forward. So we want a good self-awareness so that we can deal with our issues and grow and be an edifying populace for God's global work. Amen. So I'm going to start reading verse 13. It's long. Um, you're going to come past some peculiar verses. Don't pause. Just keep reading and bless the Lord at all times and let his praise continually. Amen. Be in your mouth. Verse 13. Let's go. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray for the power to interpret. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. 
Amen. Y'all praying for me, right? I saw some of y'all stop reading at a certain point. I ain't going to look in y'all direction. I'm going to just look at the clock. Some of y'all got to stop reading. Somebody, somebody you just did like this. But we're going to explain it. Amen. Say, say Pastor, get in the Word. Amen. Amen. Well, today I want to talk about briefly um, the role of church worship gatherings. The role of church worship gatherings. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that every word in the Bible must be engaged. Yes. Paul, when he left Ephesus, said, I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Yes. Jesus commands us to teach everything that you've commanded us. And so, God, in that spirit, um, we want to approach the sacred desk with humility, um, with, with humility and with grace yet with courage and confidence of what you say. And so, God, let that be our spirit today. Open the hearts of your people that we wouldn't be closed from, not nary a word from you, that every aspect of our heart would be open to what you say. And help me to not be foolish with my tongue, uh, but gracious, yet walking in power and humility, knowing that I'll have to give an account for every foolish word that I've spoken. And so, God, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, let the words of my mouth, let the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. And, God, I pray that we would be doers of the word, doers of the word, not just hearers under deception, but ferociously uh, committed uh, to walking in everything that you've told us, knowing that every word that you say counts. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. There are messages that are going to hit you where you are, um, and there are messages that are going to hit you where you are. <laughs> but then there are messages that are equipping messages. Somebody say equipping. And, th and those messages are designed to not merely minister to where you are, but where God wants you to be. And, and, and I believe this is one of those types of messages that are an equipping message for us as a church, like I said in the beginning, where I'm praying that we as a church would get our, our self-IQ up so that we as a church can know actually where we are and the way a church knows where it is is for you as an individual believer to know where you are. And so our message today sort of reminds me of, of back when I used to play basketball a lot more often than I do now. And, um, and, and, and dudes, it's funny seeing dudes with their basketball headed to the basketball court because they look real good the way they bounce the ball and everything with nobody checking them and everything. You know, nobody checking them. They going all like this and, you know, going like that. Why dudes always straighten their neck out like that when they, when they know they're killing it with the dribble, right? 
um, you know what I'm saying, can't run, no point, ball, getting up, you know, but by themselves, you know, doing all like that and, you know what I'm saying, and, and just looking at all, you know, like, 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 like they're ferocious with their skills. I mean, they can dunk, you know, they got that hot sauce ministry from your boy, you know, on and one, you know, they can, they can do all like this and they can play 33 or y'all play 21 or 25, whatever you call it, but you play that, you play, you look good when you do that, right? But then getting an actual game. And then those gifts seem to leave the, the basketball court. Um, and, and what you begin to realize is that person by themselves look like a freak of nature in giftedness. But with others present, they lack the fundamentals. And in lacking the fundamentals, they can't make a basic layup, make a basic shot. Lord have mercy, pass the ball. Um, <laughs> You know what I'm saying? You know, and when they pass the ball, they're trying to be magic. Like, just pass the ball, man. Bounce pass, bounce pass, right? Don't check nobody. Just walk down the court, dudes making, you know what I'm saying? And, 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 it's, it's, and the church is, can be like that. We can be people who are functionally beasts when we're by ourselves. In our mind, we are a beast. Every last one of us, if you look, you, uh, some of y'all, y'all, we really think we all that, right? You know what I'm saying? But then something happens when you have to get with others. Because when you get with others, it exposes your maturity or lack thereof. And, and, and what happens is, is a lot of us are committed to being beasts by ourselves, but not committed to being a blessing with others. And so, and so, and so, and so, and so the church, we, we, we are called to fundamentals. Somebody say fundamentals. I don't care how spiritually mature you think you are, how long you've been in the church, or how little time you've been in the church, or how good you think your alone time with God is, and how much Holy Ghost you think you're anointed with, and how much oil runs out of your veins when you say hallelujah. It doesn't matter. The issue on the floor is whether or not you recognize that there are some fundamental things that come with having a maintenance of spiritual development, and one of those things is the gathering of the saints. I don't care how far you go and how good you think you are, <coughs> all of us need to gather with the saints on a regular basis. It is a part of the essential development of a believer that keeps you focused. How many of you, by show of hands, if you miss four gatherings with the saints in Bedside Baptist, how do you, do you feel good? Is there anybody say, I'm all right, but, but, but anybody, you say, I don't know what happens, but when I gather with the saints... And especially if I haven't been there in a while, God somehow just meets me or being around is just a blessing for me by show of hands. In, in other words, all of us would some way acknowledge that reality, but it's not even just attending. It's the way you attend as well. And, 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 so, and so the point, the point we have to work through is not just attending gatherings, but understanding its purpose. Somebody say purpose. And so we come here, and I have three points, and I'm out of your way. If you're going to recognize the role of church worship gatherings, I got three things, and I usually have one, but I'm going to give you three um, today. Number one, worship gatherings must be intelligible and accessible. Intelligible and accessible. Number two, church worship gatherings must be evangelistic. And number three, church worship gatherings, church worship gatherings must be done in an orderly fashion. Amen. And so, and so, and so, and so we, see, we see these three things in this text as Paul begins to challenge the Corinthian church on its maturity issues with how they come together as a church. What we saw was there were a lot of tongue talkers, but not a lot of tongue walkers in the, in the Corinthian church. There were a lot of prophesiers, but there were a lot of life liars that were in the church. And so there was a lack of alignment with the way their lives were and the way their commitment was. And what they brought to the gathering was interesting. And Paul begins to expose how to make and maximize what happens when God's people gather together. What is God's purpose? What is God is up to? And what's interesting about this passage, tongues and prophecy are only aspects of the bigger picture of what God wants us to get out of this passage. Uh, point one, worship gatherings must be intelligible. Somebody say intelligible. intelligible. Somebody else say accessible. accessible. Amen. He says, pray. He says, therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray 
that he or she interprets. I like this. Because what he began, what the first thing in the passage that he says, that if you speak in an uninterpreted tongue, you need to shut your mouth. Hallelujah. Later on, he's going to say, don't forbid to speak in tongues. So we're not forbidding, but he wants them to make sure that they recognize the purpose of their gatherings together. It's interesting that he says, pray that you may interpret. I like this. Because the reason why he says pray that you may interpret is because he wants them to know that the gatherings ain't just for the individual person. In other words, many of us come to church worship gatherings for what we can receive and not what we can give. And so the fact that he's saying pray that you may interpret, it points to the fact that you have to be praying that merely when you come to a worship gathering, you're not getting what you want all the time. Yes. But you should be praying that others, either through you or through others, would be ministered to by the gathering so that someone is strengthened, developed, and encouraged beyond just your own personal edification that can be at the expense of someone else's de- uh, 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 destruction. And so, and so, and so we're called as the, as the church to be a church that looks for, this is, this is a different direction than most of how most of us, including myself, think of gatherings. Until I started pastoring week to week, preaching and doing things, I didn't turn my face towards the gatherings like the text, I believe, calls us to. The text calls us <coughs> to come to gatherings with the expectation that we're going to be a blessing to somebody else. And so, and, so, and, so that, and so that means that you can't just be, merely be a receptacle of the body of Christ. Y'all got quiet on that part. That, that, that we can't merely be receptacles, but we have to begin to open our hands and begin to deliver and be a blessing. And tongues is an application of that, but it applies to other areas of our life. He says, he says for I pray, in, in, if I pray in a tongue, somewhat publicly, publicly, he says, or, or, or at any point in time, he says, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. <laughs> what was interesting here is Paul is, is wanting the Corinthian church not to be biblically ignorant. Now, what do we mean by that? This word mind here is used a lot or inferentially used throughout Scripture. It's used to help believers to know that believers in any case and form should not leave their mind at the door. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, that you have the mind of Christ. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, 23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, gird your minds for action. And so, in other words, you can't just have spiritual feelings in your spirit that's not connected to a biblical mentality that informs your feelings. That's why when somebody get a chill down their spine and say, I felt in my spirit, I don't care really what you feel in your spirit. Um, Because there is a call to be both mentally knowledgeable and spiritually discerning. But if you have people that walk in their, not in the spirit, but in their spirit without the mind of Christ informing it, then you're living a life of spiritual feelings versus biblical philosophy. And so what Paul tells us is Paul tells us, he, he, said, I want, he said, I want your experience at the local gathering to be mentally transformative and you to understand everything that goes on, not I felt in my spirit. Because, because, because you, 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 you got, let me, let me just free you up today. Don't be afraid of people that are hyper-spiritual trying to tell you something. Don't you take your mind off. What you want to begin to do is ask, so, so help me out in the framework of Scripture. Because, see, you know, some people, when you tell them that they ain't from God or you trying to challenge them, ain't no, I ain't say you ain't from God yet. Just give me a moment to see whether or not the Bible agree what you say is coming from God. See, 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 if, see let me tell you, you know, you know a false prophet if they try to disarm you from being discerning. See, yeah, see, see, ain't nobody mad with the devil. See, see, the devil don't believe. See, you got to have faith. Now, I am having faith in the word, not you. In the word. 
not you. And so, and so, and so don't ever be scared. I don't care if it's 10,000 people in an arena and a prophet or prophetess comes up to you, tongue talking or whatever. You just stand there just with your fly kingdom self, with the mind of Christ all dubbed up inside of you, and just look at them. Just stare at them. And then, and then do it like this, saying, hold on one minute. And then you go page ministry. And if you don't know where to find it, you know, do just like uh, who wants to be a millionaire. Have you a lifeline and call somebody and say, this is what I just heard. Can you look up on Bible Gateway and help me to understand what this prophet is saying? <laughs> You'd be like Bernie Mac. I ain't scared of you. <laughs> That's what you tell him. <laughs> be scared of man. You ain't got to be scared. You are a royal priest and priestess. You are even supposed to look at my messages with scrutiny. You, you, you shouldn't just, you shouldn't just throw your mind. That's why he says, I want your spirit to be edified, but your mind. But he says, both should be. Look at what Paul said. He says, <coughs> he's in verse um, 15. He says, what am I to do? He says, I will pray with my spirit. He says, but I will pray with my mind also. He said, in other words, I want to know what's going on. I don't want no mystical ministry. You know what I'm saying? Where, 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 where people try to make you feel bad because they, they, they open to spirituality that's not biblically rooted. He says, I, he says, he says, I will sing praise with my spirit. He says, but I will, look, look at this, I will sing with my mind also. Because there were people singing in tongues. They were doing all kinds of stuff. And that's why one of the things that we try to do is make everything intelligible. And have a depth. I love it when we sing Chris Tomlin's song. From the highest of highs to the depths of the sea. Creations revealing your majesty. From colors of fall to the fragrance of spring. Every creature unique in the song that it sings. Indescribable. Uncontained. See, that'll make you. See, I understand that. Now now listen. You understand but don't understand how uncontainable God is, but there's understanding enough for you to participate in the fact that you don't fully understand, even though you do understand enough to put your hands up. See, that's what the gathering is about. See, God, see, you ain't going to get God all boxed in in your understanding, but the gathering should be transcendent yet accessible. In other words, it should be transcendent because you know that God is among you and God is massive, but it should be understood so that it can be connected to sound doctrine so that you can bless God for what you received. Are you tracking with me today? And so, and so, and so he's trying to help us to, 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 to be equipped. Look at verse 16. He says, he says, otherwise, he said, if you give thanks in your spirit, because it's your spirit, how can in, uh, anyone in the position of an outsider say amen? Don't say amen to everything so quick. Amen. Somebody say, say amen. You say, I don't know what, uh, tell me what you want me to say amen to first. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Because um, amen says, I believe and agree that it's truth from God, so let it be. Yes. So be careful of saying amen to foolishness. Yes. Amen. And, 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 and so, and so, so with God, God has given you the grace of affirmation. So look at verse 17. He says, for you may be, um, uh, be giving thanks well enough. You may be. That's what he's saying. He says, but the other person is not being built up. Why? Because they don't understand because what's being said isn't accessible. Somebody say accessible. As he says, so I thank God the more. I speak in all kinds of tongues. That's what Paul said. Paul said, I speak, I got to give the tongues. I speak in tongues like a mug. He says, but I got so many tongues that I speak in that I have the spiritual maturity to know that I shouldn't be utilizing all of them all the time. But if I can restrain the myriads of tongues that I speak in, your little self can restrain the one you speak in. Ain't that something? And so, and so, and so he says, you need to have humility with your gift so that your gift impacts others, not just bless you. Always, 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 and not, and not being uh, 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 disruptive in the gatherings. We'll talk about that in a minute. Verse 19, nevertheless, in the church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. So 10,000 words, 10,000 was the highest at that time counting level in the Greek language. And so he was using what we would call infinity to say if I speak in an infinity of an infinitude of, of, of tongues, yet... Uh, I, no one understands what I'm saying. I'm only blessing me and I'm not blessing others. And so our, our, our commitment in the church is to be a bless, blessing, not to just receive blessings. Yeah. 
And see, I, I can, I, let me tell y'all something. I can let y'all get a cheap shout on. A cheap shout is a false promise to get myself to feel better about you standing up when I preach. Let me explain something to you. Somebody in here today, it's your season today, and God is about to take you to a whole nother level. I know you've been through a lot this week, and people start standing their feet. I'm like, so is that, is that true, though? Is God really about to bring somebody in another season? Is he really? You know what I'm saying? Now, if I, now I'm just telling y'all, if I say that, the Lord said it. Because I don't just do that, because I don't like prophet lying, because I know one day I'll stand before the beamer seat of Christ, and Lord Yahshua, with his tat on, will look at me in my face, even though I'm not going to hell, he will chastise me in front of everybody for being a, a falsely uh, looking at the word for me and not for God's people. Second point, he says, worship gatherings must be evangelistic. Somebody say evangelistic. <laughs> when we say evangelistic, for those who don't know, evangelism comes from the word that means good news, bringing good news to someone or sharing the gospel. And so that means our gatherings should share the gospel. That means that everything that we do should say Jesus died on the cross for sinners and was raised up from the grave. So that means everything from the worship to some way with the announcements, uh, to the way the hospitality greets, from the way the worship singers sing, the way you interact during visitors welcome, it should, pro and, and, and to communion, and to baptism, it should all proclaim who he is. Check out what Paul says when he holds tongues and prophecy accountable to the gospel. Because our gifts have to be held accountable to the spirit of the gospel, not our spirit. Now check it out. Now, check it out. So, so he says, brothers, do not be children in your thinking. So he equates people who only come to gatherings for self-edification as spiritual children. So he said, if you come to the church with only what, I'm not talking about you're broken and you need help. Please don't hear me saying that. Come, be broken. Let us help you. That's, that's what we're here for. But I'm talking about the person that's all you, you out of your brokenness. You've been out your brokenness and you still like, what I'm going to get? You know what I'm saying? It's like. You know, it's like, it's, you know, it's like my sons. When I come home, you know, from out of town or come home from work, it, it, you know, they do some childish stuff because they're children. And so when I come home and I have a bag in my hand, Daddy, don't even say hi. Daddy, what's that? What you bring for me? You brought me something from out of town? You brought me something? What you bring? I said, I ain't bring nothing. They just run off. <laughs> I'm like, hi. <laughs> right? You know, but I expect my children to act like that. Right, right, right. I don't expect spiritual adults to act like that. I don't expect spiritual adults to only want. I expect spiritual, uh, mature Christians on, who are growing and to seek to grow spiritually to begin saying, how can I pour myself out like a drink offering for God's people? Because I'm going to receive. I know I'm going to receive, but God, help me to be for others. So check out what he says. Don't be a child in your thinking. He says, be infants in foolishness, but in your thinking, in your thinking, be spiritually mature. Be mature. So Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14 says, those who are mature have their sense of strength with the ability to tell difference from evil. They don't live on milk. That's a mature person. Look at verse 21. He gives the purpose of tongues prophetically. So he's giving <coughs> the prophecy about tongues from the law its purpose so that they can understand the real purpose of tongues in their context. <coughs> so, so he's about to quote the Old Testament because the Old Testament is the foundation for the New Testament. Are you tracking with me? And what he wants them to understand is that this was prophesied. So I want you to have your understanding of speaking in tongues rooted in what God has said about their purpose. Look at what he says in, in verse uh, 21. He says, by people of strange tongues and by lips of foreigners will I speak to this people. Not talking about, he's not talking about the Jews at this point or, un or, or, or believing Jews. He says, and even then, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. So what is that talking about? He's going to say it next. Verse 22, thus, he expounds upon it. Thus, tongues are a sign not for believers. Let's stop right there. So somebody tells you, you're not saved unless you speak in tongues. So let me hear your tongue. Now, does the Bible say that? I thought by grace are we saved through faith. It is a gift of God that nobody should boast. So you ain't saved by tongues. You saved by grace. Help me today, God. Somebody just got some help right there. 
because somebody was telling you that you're saved by speaking in tongues. So they brought you and made you say hallelujah 1,500 times and ain't nothing happened. And you're wondering why you're not saved, but you're saved by what Christ has done for you, not how many hallelujahs you say to him. And so what he says is, he says tongues are a sign. It's not for believers to affirm something to a believer. That's what he's saying. It's not even for believers. He said tongues is a sign for non-Christians who come into a Christian gathering. So that means tongues is needed for evangelism, not, not necessarily edification. So, so, so when we have believers together speaking in tongues with no unbeliever being engaged, the tongues is being improperly used because their prophetic usage was to engage lost people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. They are Pentecost. When the, when the Holy Ghost came upon them, they began to declare the works of God and non-Christians heard them speaking in their language. Peter gets up preaches the gospel, clarifies that they're not crazy because they were speaking in known languages. He says, they're not crazy. He goes back to Joel's prophecy. Then he preaches the gospel and 3,000 plus people get saved after tongues happen. How many of you have been in a gathering where you've heard tongues proclaimed and communicated and then nobody got saved? Improper tongues used. So he says... He says, while prophecy (coughs) is a sign, not for believers, a sign, that doesn't mean it doesn't minister to, a sign for unbelievers, it's not a sign for unbelievers, but for believers. So that means prophecy, why is it that? Because prophecy was meant to call you back to God's word. If you look at every prophet from Isaiah to Malachi, when you look at the prophecy that they brought, they always restated what was said in the law to call God's people back to a commitment to what God said, but that was specific to where they were. So evangelism and edification is what these gifts are for, that we need to begin to look at evangelism and edification throughout the whole of our gatherings and how are we engaging others and how are we engaging uh, uh, people that are coming in and, and, and that type of thing so that we can love them with the renewing power of God's gospel. Says prophecies that he says he says if he says if therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, outsiders or unbelievers enter, will say, say that they're they're out of their minds. Now, it reminds me of my wife, me and my wife went on a, a date one time, and um not one time, but one of the times we went on a date. <laughs> and and when we and we and we went to the uh, art museum in Philadelphia, and so we go to see Dark Oz, his exhibit. It was in town. So we go to see Darkar's, I think that's his name. Forgive me if I didn't say it in the French way of saying it. But he, was, he had great art. I just didn't know it. Because I went in and I was looking at him. I was like, looking around like, like you know, I, I ain't want to go in like the dudes, you know, you know stand there. Maybe look, mm, mm, you know, and do go like this and carrying on. I didn't know what was going on. I mean, they called it abstract art. That means... Something concrete was taken out of the picture, and he's interpreting it. So I'm like, I don't. And so one of the people said, you, you know you can get, you know, they gave me this little hip thingamajiggy, and then put it in my ear. <clears throat> and then you put in 0086, and then they say, in 1865, <laughs> Darkhaz wrote this painting, The City. His interpretation of the city at that point in time in France helped him to look at what the landscape of the new urbanization and industrialization that was. So I was like, oh, so that's light right there. Oh, so that's a building. Oh, that's a clothes. Those are clothes. Oh. So now I was able to enjoy the art because somebody explained it to me and I can enter into the hmm. Now when I go, now when I go, your boy be up in there like, yeah, man, that's the essence of, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, but, you know, that's what worship gatherings are supposed to be like for people. It's supposed to be a place where people can enter into the enjoyment of God's art among his people. 
That's the beauty of worship gatherings. And so that's what we're called to do. And it says so that they can be convicted and called into account so that the secrets of their heart are disclosed and they'll fall on their face and say, God is here. Isn't that powerful? For someone who didn't know God and who was doubting God, unsaved comes into a gathering, encounters the power of God and fall out on their face and say, what must I do to be saved? That's, that's why we do this. <coughs> we don't do this to floss. We do this because of the greatness and the goodness of the living God, last but not least. And I'm out your way. Worship gatherings, first off, should be accessible, accessible and intelligible. Secondly, they should be evangelistic. And thirdly, people of God, worship gatherings must be orderly. Somebody say orderly. orderly. This is beautiful. Now, remember, as I get into these verses... That it's about order. Somebody say order real loud. Order. There you go. One more time for the Holy Ghost. Order. So that is the big picture. Okay? So as I get into the Bible yet again. All right. Verse 26. I like when Paul say what then. You know, Paul is irked when he says that. Like, I'm going to just tell you. Whenever you read Paul, he says, what then? You know? You know, I mean, he's irked by something. That's not happening right, you know, that's in the Greek. So what he says here, he says, what's happening, brothers and sisters? He says, when y'all come together, he says, when y'all come together, he said, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, and an interpretation. So what he's basically saying is all, everybody come up to the front. One person is singing, leading, praise, and worship. You know what I'm saying? Another person is speaking in tongues. Another person at the podium teaching the Bible. Another person sweeping the floor. You know, another person is fixing the chair. Everybody's using their gifts at the same time. It's like chaos. Can you imagine everybody who has a spiritual gift just using it at the same time? It's crazy. That's what's happening here. He's not saying this out of the air, out of a vacuum. Everybody was, you know, can you imagine 15 preachers preaching at the same time? That's just chaos, right? But he's... But he's, he's, I mean, he's like, what is wrong with y'all? That's what he's literally saying. <clears throat> he says, let all things be done for building up. That's why, he, that's why he literally has to get specific. One prophet at a time. One person speaking in tongues at a time. Then that's why he's giving all of these intricate instructions. So look at what he says. <clears throat> he says, any, if, if any speak in a tongue, let there be only two. Only two. He said, so how many of us have seen like 20 thousand. Is it only two people or at the most three and in turn let someone interpret? That means you can't interpret your own tongue. You say, you, you say your tongue and then you say, now what the Lord was saying to y'all. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because see, you can manipulate that. What makes it miraculous is someone hears the tongue who doesn't speak in that language and they have the gift of interpretation and they get up and interpret a language they don't know. If you interpret the language that you don't know, then we think you know it. Does that make sense? So, so Paul is saying, we, it has to be miraculous, man. It's just, it's just in the Bible, right? It's like, dang, this was here. So, so he goes, he said, listen, listen to what he said. Then he goes, he said, let someone else interpret. He's, and then he goes down. Then he says, then he says right here in verse, verse 29, he says, but if there's, if there's no one to interpret, let each one of them, each of them keep silent. That means be quiet. Let two or three prophets speak and let the other prophets weigh in what it said. That means when someone prophesies in the church, there should be other people with the gift of prophecy that comes and listens to the prophecy to see if it's biblical. But we got people that just prophesy. I ain't talking to you afterwards. I'm going to talk to you before you talk to me. So let me hear. I'm going to be like this. I'm going to be like Marty Mom. I'm going to be like, let me hear it right here, right? And so he says, I want you to hear, and I want the, the spirit of the prophets to be subject to the spirit of the prophets. So one at a time. So he says, for, for, you, prophet, for, he says, for you prophesy, for you can all prophesy one by one. He's getting real simple with them. So that all may learn and be encouraged. That's beautiful. He says, and let the spirit of the prophets be subject to the spirit of the prophets. He says, for God is not a God of confusion, but peace. Look what he says in verse 34. And I know this is where y'all wanted to go. Verse 34. Look at somebody and say, there's a word for me in every verse. Y'all laughing, y'all ain't saying though. You, ladies, look though. 
Now I want you to do that over again. I want you to look at the person next to you and say, there's a word for me in every verse. Amen. And just in case they ain't say it to you, look at the person on the other side of you and say, there's a word for me in every verse. <coughs> amen, amen, amen. So, verse 34, let's go. It's in the book, got to deal with it. He's, he, says the, he says, the women, plural, should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak. But should, but should be in submission as the law says also. He says, if there is anything, if, if there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in the church. Now, the question is, what in the world is Paul talking about, right? <laughs> Why would he say that? I think it's simple. I really think it's simple. He can't be saying that women can't speak at all because he wants us to worship, number one. God wants us to worship. Number two, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he said that women can prophesy and men can prophesy. So that means that here there must be something going on that makes him make a suspension of verbal public communication that is communicating to the body. So what's happening is, is this in the context of prophecy, but in the bigger prop, uh, 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 context of building up. So what's happening in the gathering is the Bible says that the spirit of the prophets be subject to the prophets. So what's happening is, is because the Bible, Paul taught order. Paul taught biblical order is God. Remember over in 1 Corinthians 11, 2 and 3, he says, God, Christ, woman, man. I mean, man, woman, my bad, man, woman. <laughs> Thank you for the review. See, there you go. Berean ministry. Wow, I love you, girl. It's your fine self. Theologizing. Girl, don't, don't start nothing. You know what theology does to me. Um, God, we back to the text. God, Christ, man, woman, right? And so, and so, and so, and so what happens is, is order has been switched because women are usurping prophetic authority over the men. And some of them don't know the Bible well. Not all women, so don't hear me saying that, saying these women that he's talking about. <clears throat> so in order to reestablish order, he shuts down not worship of women, but their interaction in the prophetic ministry until order is reestablished in the way God wants it to be established. Now, the interesting part about it is, 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 of, is, of course, he applies it specifically to wives. And what's interesting, because, the reason why he applies it there, not because he's leaving out single women, but because he wants to communicate order. Right. And so what he says is, is he says, I don't want you jumping up in the prophet's face or standing up in the gathering, interrupting the gathering, prophesying or telling the prophet that's up there that he's wrong. So what I want you to do is go home. Somebody say, go home. And ask your husband. Now, why would he say that? Because he wants to help her to resubmit herself to the spiritual authority in her life. And so instead of using, because she can't speak in the gathering to other people through prophecy until she understands her commitment to be connected in her proper God-fearing, powerful place under the leadership of her husband. So that in turn means that husbands have to know their Bible. In, in other words, the first place a wife goes to ask a question isn't the pastor. That means that men need to be beasts in the book. <laughs> because what's going to happen is if your wife doesn't think you can study the Bible and instruct her, she's going to always go around you. And so a husband must be in the book, in the word of God, because his commitment to her helps her to bloom and blossom and be all that God wants her to be. Her gift was being withheld within the gathering for a season because of that usurping. When you have husbands in their proper place and wives in their proper place, it impacts the gathering and unbelievers see the proper role of 
persons under God, under Christ, and man, under, and that doesn't make the woman uh, 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 under the man's foot. It just puts her in the powerful place yes. that God has placed her in to powerfully show off the glory of the gospel yes, of just like the triune God, God the Son and God the Spirit submits to what God the Father says. God the Spirit submits to God the Son. And therefore, God the, Fa- God the Son is not trying to be God the Spirit. God the Spirit ain't trying to be God the Son. God the Father ain't trying to be them. Everybody in the Godhead want to be who they are. I've always been. Therefore, in the church, men and women should want to be in their uh, in their inferential triune status of reflecting that God ordained make up to exalt the Trinity. So everything in the gathering communicates something. Everything, everything, everything communicates something about God. And so that means it has to be orderly. Orderly is not just having a program. That's not what it's saying here merely. Not saying we got to have a program, even though we do need order in the sense of what comes next. Because sometimes gatherings will get, because when the spirit moves on a gathering sometimes, what has to happen is, is whatever the spirit is doing through spontaneity must be done in an orderly way. That means if you shouting, you shouldn't be slapping nobody. A baby shouldn't go up in the ceiling fan and go around, all right? Because you caught the Holy Ghost. Hachu, he's not a cold. All right? So in other words, everything, even the spontaneous things, must contain deep order and a reflection of who God is in everything that we do. And so as we gather together, let's be this church that gets great self-awareness, that develops in understanding who we are in Christ and understanding what we're gifted to do to be a blessing to the body and be strengthened by God and be strengthened by his spirit so that we can strengthen others and that the church can be all that God has called it to be. And the church said, Father, we thank you for the great gospel. We thank you that the truth of the gospel is so powerful that it helps us to grow and develop in seeing you more clearly. And as we stated in the beginning, One of the most important things, Lord God, for us to recognize is that we've been saved from your wrath. And no one can really enjoy your gatherings until they embrace the fact that your wrath and fury has passed past us. That's such a beautiful thing. And Lord God, if we put our confidence in your your, your son's work on the cross <clears throat> who took us from spiritual death to spiritual life. And your name gets honored through that. Through us saying, you made him who knew no sin become sin on our behalf. And all your anger and your wrath and fear was poured out on him so we won't have to have it poured out on us forever. You was raised from the grave, all power in your hands, sitting at the right hand of God waiting to return.